Today on the Marvel Cinematic Universe Podcast, we are discussing the rankings, our rankings, the host rankings of the properties that came out in 2022. It is about time. We're like a month behind. All that and more of this that we have no control over. Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic Universe Podcast. My name is Matthew Carroll. And I'm Jeff Randall. Jeff. How are you, my buddy? I'm ready to argue. I mean, I'm ready to debate. I mean, I'm doing great, sir. How are you? <laughs> well, we, I'm doing good. I'm came doing out good. swinging. We, we have not done one of these rankings in a while, and we did. We may we 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 uh we used to do them live without talking about them first, uh, but that always seemed a little uh, clunky to me. So today we're doing it a little differently. Me and Jeff have already combined our lists, and we're going to talk about them. But we're going to discuss the. I haven't seen the combined list yet. That's right. That's right. Uh, but we're going to discuss any ties. There's only one tie, but it's between our second and third spot. Ooh. So like it fe- and, and and we were far apart on our second and third spot. So like I'm curious what how we'll come to a solution. That's we a, may just end up with a tie for two and three. That's a contentious position to be in. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, we're, we're doing this today. We're just going to rank the 2022 stuff, but we're planning in the next month or two to do a big all-time ranking of all of the properties Oof. for uh, phases one, two, three, and four. That's going to be fun. We'll probably break it up into two episodes. That's intense, man. Yeah, it is intense, man. <laughs> um <laughs> But, and, and I want to do it when me, you, and Ash can all be here. And the really cool thing is, Benjamin Daniel Phillip is helping us out over on the Stranded Panda chat on Facebook. Uh, so if you're not uh, on that, go join it. Uh, he has been doing a, what he, we're calling Marvel Madness, uh, where every every day or two, he's posting a matchup on the Stranded Panda chat and letting you guys vote for your favorite. And so... We're working like bracket style to find out what everybody in the Stranded Panda chat has, and we're going to use that for that big ranking episode when we do all four four uh, phases. So I'm excited oh, about that. Cool. So it's kind of like you'll have yours, I'll have mine, Ash will have hers, and then we'll have the community one to argue mm-hmm. with, and we'll just be yeah. arguing directly at everybody on Facebook. Exactly. We love that Facebook. How wrong they are. Um. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be real intense because, like, uh, thinking about it, like the the amount of content, like the hours of content of Phase Four, is more than Phase One, Two, and Three combined. So yes, if we're doing all four phases, and like we did this for what Phase Three and it or Phase One, Two, and Three, and it was like it, it felt like it took a while because the you know that's like twenty something movies, right? Mm-hmm. And like including all the series and everything for Phase Four, like ooh, that's that's a lot of content. You were saying it's it's more time on screen, but it's not that many more properties. It's that's more fair. like having, that's fair. It's more it's almost series. like just having yeah yeah yeah. The series just takes so much more time on screen, uh, but it it's not. I don't think it's going to be such a problem uh, that we can't do it. Um, but yeah, we're gonna rank. We're gonna rank all the all the movies. You know what? Now that I'm thinking about it, I don't know if Benjamin's just. I think Benjamin's just doing the movies. So we may Oof. just do a, a movie ranking for the phases one, two, three, and four. Nah, man, we gotta we gotta include <laughs> the shows because like they are like not only are they canon, but they're important. 
like well i, I agree i it's we'll, we'll argue this yeah. about later because this is a this is maybe a flaw in our plan yeah <laughs> we're discovering flaws live and just to so you know we just rounded uh, we just finished up the first round of uh of, of matchups but because of the way seating works they were kind of all really no-brainers most of them most of them were like the best movie versus the worst movie you know what i mean <laughs> Because that's how the like apparently when you seed a bracket, that's kind of how it shakes out. Sure, uh, you might get you might get an upset or two, but like they they basically seed so that like the the best ones are going up against the worst ones. Um, but now that we're past round one, we're gonna start getting like really good matchups. So please go join the Stranded Panda Chat. Just search Stranded Panda Chat on Facebook, and you'll find us. And join, and we'll uh we'll be on there doing that for the next couple weeks. Um, but today. Me and you are going yeah. to talk about Jonathan Kim's uh, submission, which he asked for uh, in his commission and episode. He said, it's that time of year again to rank all the MCU movie shows and specials that came out this year. This will be for everything in 2022. Would love to hear all your lists. Uh, let me know if you want mine. Love you all 7,400 plus. Jonathan. Uh, sorry we didn't get yours, Jonathan, but... I do want yours, Jonathan. Yeah, we do want it. Send it, send it. Send it. Hurry up. <laughs> yeah, we can't start the show until you send it. <laughs> okay, so we're going to go down... Unlike in previous years where we've combined our lists live, we're going to just go down our list of nine from uh, worst to best, and we'll just discuss where we ranked them and why it ended up where it is. Um. I think this is going to be fun because it's like, let, let's just talk about this year first. Okay. This, was this an is interesting the hardest. Year. Yeah, it was the hardest ranking I've ever had to do. I, I did. I struggled. I struggled real mm-hmm. hard with like the, the middle like four and just, I just sat there just agonizing over it. Like, oh man. Cause like there were, there were things where like, you know, maybe one property was really great at the beginning and end, but kind of sagged in the middle. And there were somewhere yep. like one was just consistently like, uh, consistently pretty good, but not like no one part of it was just like incredible. Um, right. And then there are things that are like, you know, we've, we've got new properties. We've got all like properties that are part of old franchises. Like Thor love and thunder is this is the fourth one in his franchise. And he's had, all of the Avengers movies that he's been in and like, you know, he's got all this time on screen, all this time that we, that we've seen him and like gotten to love that character. So like, you know, maybe some of us are a little biased toward that, but then Mm -hmm. some of us might be, I don't want to say anybody may or may not have been, Um, (laughs) but then like, we've got, we've got new properties and this is the first year that Marvel has done these special presentations for us. So like the guardians holiday special werewolf by night, uh, the I am Groot shorts, like all of those things are, are condensed and, and you know, they have a very specific point that they're trying to make in their, in their property. Mm -hmm. And like, we still have to include it because it's still MCU. Yeah. Well, and you're talking about it more in the format sense, like, this you know you, we have things on here that are like you know whatever ten hours long, and then we have things on here that are you know 
an hour and a half or whatever. Like, is yeah. it or forty five minutes? I think uh, Werewolf by Night and Guardians special. So it's just really, really hard to, to to like compare those things, and so that's difficult. But then, oh well, <laughs> I said forty five minutes. We have I Am Groot, which is like a total of fifteen minutes, like the whole series. Um, so. <laughs> You know, it's just so hard to like rank these things if, because of format. But for me, the problem was genre. Like, it's really hard to compare. Like, oh yeah, God. Thor: Love and Thunder against Wakanda Forever. Like, I oh. mean, I, I I think that's a clear choice. But like, personally, but like, <laughs> Wakanda Forever is this like, you know, <laughs> thoughtful. Like, I don't know. They they both deal with grief, I guess. But it's just well, hard. Like, it's, it's the tones are so different. Is as like what I'm getting at. You got this horror movie, and then you've got a silly adventure, and then you've got a, a thing that really focuses on like dealing with grief. It just it's just the three movies are so different. Yeah, and then like try to compare something like uh, like Moon Knight or Doctor Strange uh, or Werewolf by Night to She Hulk. Like mm-hmm. the tone is so vastly different that like yeah it it really just comes down to a, a personal preference. Yep, and like, this is I think going to be the most hotly contested. I mean, even just between me and you, like this one is the most contested we've ever been. Like our, normally our list, especially because we talk about it every week, we kind of our I think our opinions tend to homogenize a little bit. We have similar tastes. We've melded and become one. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Just as as good podcasters do. Yeah. <laughs> you always hear the best conversations come from two people who have no disagreements. Um, <laughs> When it really just sounds like one person arguing with themselves. No, not arguing with themselves. uh, Just politely chatting. (laughs) (laughs) Just constantly agreeing. Yep, that's that's what we do around here. No, I I just think like over time we talk about things and sort of like and not just us but the audience, all the feedback we get, we sort of like get this sense of oh yeah, I do see this glaring problem with this property, or I do see why this one was amazing, and like I don't know the the discussions we have sort of often lead us to feeling similarly this year our rankings are all over the place we are so separate on so many different ones so uh you ready to get started oh see did where, you see where we land did you have i am groot first yeah so number nine on our <laughs> on our list <laughs> to talk about how di- that with <laughs> to highlight how different our lists were number nine we had i am groot and uh, that was number nine on both of our lists. Yeah. But I think that might be the only similarity. Yeah. I could see that being the, the, the similarity for, or the, the kind of through line for everybody, because uh, I Am Groot didn't really push any plots forward. It was fun. It was cute. It was both of those terms, and that's about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's so short, it's, there's almost nothing to grab onto. So, like. Yeah, my memory for it isn't even great. You know, I just remember some cute moments with Groot, and there, it's I do like it, but it's also just like not for me. You know, it's not my, uh, it, it's it's not meant for a man of my age, I guess. <laughs> You're a man of your discerning tastes. Hmm. I was just thinking of my like many many years in this world. Oh, are you saying that you're old? Yeah, I was calling myself very old. You're too old for I Am Groot? Maybe, maybe. I mean, like, I still enjoyed it, 
Honestly, I really did. I think I enjoyed it more than my niece did. My niece, like, we started watching it, and she was like, she walked away thinking, like, this is for babies. Like, she walked away from the TV, <laughs> the 12-year-old, and I was like, no, it's cute. Look at the cute Groot is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but also, there was no, like, plot. Yeah, or, or there's, there's nothing to, like, resonate in my soul. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, there's just nothing. I don't have anything down there. <laughs> not not nothing in my soul, but like you nothing. Have no soul I, to resonate with. <laughs> nothing from I am Groot like lives there, uh, except for maybe the picture at the end. Uh, that was real cute. Mm. I don't he, like, drew a picture of the. He drew a picture of the Guardians all together. Ah, okay, okay. It gave me points. That's why I remember. <laughs> <laughs> in the draft. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought no, it would have no, been no. higher on your list because of that. <laughs> it, it was the surprise. I forgot it existed when I drafted all the Guardians, and then I realized, oh, yeah, more <laughs> points. And then it ended up being, uh, you know, only only having Groot in it. It actually was the biggest disappointment for points for me. <laughs> wah, wah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So what's number eight? eight? Number eight on our combined list yep. is Miss Marvel. Miss Marvel? Mm. Yeah. So. Miss Marvel for me was at number seven. Um, and for me, it was number eight. Yeah. And for you, it was number eight. So that makes sense. Um, I feel bad putting it that low. Me too. <laughs> me too. I really do. And I, and I know that there are people that greatly disagree with that. This thing, I, like I said, this this one's going to be contentious. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people are going to hate on us for our picks here. Um, but for me, just Miss Marvel started so strong. Oh, it was. It was great that we saw so much of ourselves in this in this high school girl that was just like fangirling out, like podcasting yeah. about about the MCU, basically. Yeah, I feel like the first episode or two felt super strong, and then it kind of diverted to this other storyline and this other just sort of like tone, and just didn't feel uh, as original, I guess, and it, it didn't keep my attention the way that. Uh, most of their properties did this year. Yeah. But, it, I mean, it came back, though. Like, when it it kind of dipped in the middle, I would say, for a couple episodes. And then mm-hmm. in the last episode or two, when, you know, when they finally got back to that that same kind of feel that they had in the first two episodes, it it's like it came back. It, it, it became a different show for a little bit and then came back. I agree. It comes back... But it doesn't get to the heights of the first episode for me, and it feel. I think the third act of that has kind of the same third act problem that a lot of Marvel does, where it sort of like just becomes a fight scene at the end. Um, and I enjoy it. It's like that. That last episode is probably my second favorite episode of of the series, but like, it still doesn't feel. Um, I don't know. It's like trying to, re- it references the first episode, like the plan she has. Yeah. There's a little more of the drawing mixed in. Oh, I love the chalkboard. I yeah, love that chalkboard scene. I love scene. the chalkboard. But there's not nearly as much style and like rhythm to the episode. The pilot just had so much uh, flair. And I don't think the rest of the, it, it gets better in that last episode, but I don't, I don't think it recaptured it. And I don't think we ever really. I never got to where I really cared about the story of the the Jin. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. And so so I I I was really caring about Kamala. I never cared enough about the Jin and then you know, we and come back and just wrap up the story. Yeah, until you said the story of the Jin, I had forgotten that that was even in it. Like that that was even a thing. <laughs> like in my mind it was like, yeah, she went to Karachi and just kind of like hung out and Yeah, that's met, all she did. Like she met Red Dagger and they had a quick fight, met his his like super hot uh, father figure type dude. Um, <laughs> and then like, that's it. <laughs> that's all yeah. that happened. Then she came that home. That kind of feels like that a little bit, which is a bummer. Cause I, I think the, like there was potential there and the Jin, when they're revealed, it feels like it's going to be a big deal. It's going to reveal more to the story. And I mean, I, I really enjoyed the episode. It's like, I love the episode where they go back in time and really get the story of her uh, ancestor. Oh yeah, and the the part partition. Yeah, I love it. But when you have a six episode series, spending an entire episode spending on a, a backstory, six of that. <laughs> yeah, the backstory of an ancestor before you bring it back for a one episode closer, just feels like it just feels like it takes too much away from the overall story. I think I said this when we were recovering. I wish they'd like sort of drip that story throughout or something. Yeah. Um, they could have done like a three minute teaser at the beginning of every episode and kind of given that backstory. And we would have been like, who is this person? What is their connection? And then it sort of like dawns on us or something. Yeah. I like though that at the end, and this is why I had Miss Marvel uh, in seventh instead of eighth. I like at the end that um, there is that, that part. Well, okay. So there's two reasons, I guess, why I, I had her had that series up one spot uh, is that it felt like she's one of us. Um, you know, we saw ourselves in that character, but also at the end, there's that lasting uh, consequence of, you know, the, the messing with the, the bangle where she seemed to swap places with Captain Marvel and Captain Marvel just shows up in her room. So like, that doesn't get resolved and and we're going to see that like that is going to be a lasting effect into the marvels this year yeah and i i love yeah. that we have we have that situation that we had talked about like are they going to do it are they going to go for it where like something from these series something from these small series are going to that's going to affect the things that are happening in the big like blockbuster mm-hmm. films is that going to happen and and it seems that they're going for that with that with that series affecting the Marvels. Yeah, and if the bangle is related to Kang in some ways, which is being speculated about, sorry, the Kangle, if you will. <laughs> um, if that's the case, then like it really is going to tie into something deeper, and not only tie into the Marvels, but like tie the Marvels to the multiverse, which, to the multiverse, the Marvels yeah. multiverse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The Marvel's multi Marvel Marvel's multiverse. Um yeah, so so there's definitely a lot of value in Miss Marvel. And again, I think it somewhat is just as much as the first episode is so so for me. Like it it came out of the gate and said, Oh, I'm I'm so for you that you like didn't even know you needed this show. And I loved it. And it like, I fell in love with it. And then the rest of the series was kind of what I expected Miss Marvel to be, which was just like a, a, a kind of a show about a young teenager. Do you and feel like you were disappointed with it because it had that, that big drop from the first yeah, episode to the, to the next? For sure. And I, I don't, 
I'm not sad that they did that. I'm not sad that, that first episode exists because I think that first episode's great. But I think going in, I was like, this show's probably not really for me. But I'm I'm in. And then I got there and I was like, this show is so for me. And then it like just kind of turned into a normal kind of felt like another teenager superhero show. Didn't yeah. feel as signature as that first episode did. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, but we we've yeah, we've got more to talk death, about. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what's okay. our what's our number seven? Number seven. This is way lower than I expected, and it's it's funny. It's lower than it is on. Well, I guess not way lower. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, there's it's only one nine lower. slots. <laughs> yeah, there's this one lower than we both put it, but because of the way our other ones ranked, this got lower on the on the put together list than either of us put it. Which this is number seven is She Hulk. Oh, yeah, so we both had She-Hulk at number seven? Or, sorry, number no, six? we both had it at number six, but our other ones that we had lower, the other ah. person put so high that it, like... Yeah, okay, okay. It, it shifted it all around, and this ended up being lower, because uh, just it's the weird. way we rank It's weird how together. the rankings work. It is weird, it is. Just so you guys know, we take we basically just give everything a number value, and then we invert that number value and add it all together. Um, and whoever has the most picks. points is number one. Yeah. Uh, but this 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 time that that got inverted weird and it's it's a very strange <laughs> inversion. Yeah. But uh so She Hulk ended up at number seven. Which I love She Hulk, but I see why it's lower on the list. There are <laughs> issues. Yeah, I mean thinking back on it, the only issues that I can remember that I had with it or that I that I might still have with it are that some of the CGI looks a little wonky. Um, some of it looks a little weird. I mean, I, I seem to remember there being like, there might've been a plot thread that got lost somewhere or like, I remember oh, that. I know there's, there are the plot threads that she literally just deletes. She asks Kevin to delete. Oh which, yeah. Well, that was great though. I loved that. I, I don't mind that. I'm not the, like, I'm that not was the fan so of comics that. accurate. Yes, Absolutely. Um, so I really, I, I think this might just be the case of, like you said, we both had this higher on our list, yeah. but we had other things that were so strange, you know, such differences in other areas, This they ended up uh, lower. So it being seven is strange, but there's also just a lot of other good stuff. I think that's, <laughs> I think that's why. I think there's just a lot of other really good stuff Yeah. above this. I hate to say it that, you know, like there's stuff that's better than something in the MCU or whatever, like even if it is other MCU things, like She-Hulk was so fun. It was so, so fun week to week to be like, you know, are we getting, are we getting Wongers again? Are we getting Madison uh, with the Y, but it's not where you think? Like, uh, and like, where... Where are we seeing any new cameos? Because that's kind of what it felt like was the cameo show. And the fact that we got Charlie Cox, especially in such a big capacity when we got him in that, in, you know, in the last couple of episodes, like that felt so cool and so great. And like to have that tie mm-hmm. in and like his suit looks super cool. And it just, it just wasn't as, I guess because it wasn't as serious because yeah. it was, it was, it was that comedy. I was about to say, I think the reason this is lower on our list is it feels frivolous. I it don't feels like, like the use of that word because it, it makes it feel like it is not necessary. And I feel like the She-Hulk series 
like the She-Hulk character, especially like is a good idea to have. And Oh, absolutely. And was a great I, addition. I don't say I don't think the series existing is frivolous, but I think the no, nothing in it matters. It well except for like Scar showing up for all of a sudden. Um, <laughs> it feels like most of the stuff in there are are th- are plot threads that can just be dropped. Um it's sort of like this meta joke. It's almost like the entire series is almost commentary on the MCU instead of like pushing the MCU forward in like actual plot, kind of like we're talking about with I am Groot. Um, And then, and then it also like, it has all these things. Like it's a lawyer show. She keeps talking about it's a lawyer show, but then like the lawyering is like really poorly executed. (laughs) (laughs) Have you seen the, uh, got YouTube channel where there's like a lawyer reacts to, and it's like a lawyer reacting to, um, you can find it easily. It's like a lawyer reacts to whatever. It's like this guy, he's a lawyer, and he like reacts to different TV show law- lawyering situations. Right. He just kind of tore that show apart. Like Every scene is like, no, this would never happen. Nope, that's not how lawyering works. <laughs> nope, 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 nope. Um, it's just kind of like, the, 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 it didn't take the lawyering seriously. It didn't take most of the plot seriously, which was kind of the point, I felt like. So, like, in some ways, it's a very important... I, I said this at the time, I think it's a very important series for us to watch, because it's basically, the point of the show is to say, fanboys, calm down, get over yourself, like, yeah. enjoy this show for what it is, not what you want it to be. Like, there's a lot of really important messages, and I like it a lot, and I like how weird it is, and the ending is bizarre and fun. <laughs> um but I think the overall, like when you think about it in its place in the MCU, it feels the plot lines feel frivolous. Like the actual events of the thing don't feel um, like they had much impact. As far as like being a commentary on the the MCU, it feels sort of like the opposite end of the spectrum from what Miss Marvel was, because Miss Marvel was like the like let's all be fans of everything superhero related. And then like over at the other side is She Hulk being like, I don't want that life. Like I don't like the superhero idea. It the Avengers are just a bunch of like adult orphans uh, <laughs> with daddy issues, and like yeah. she's you know tearing them down, and you know she may or may not have a point on a lot of that, but <laughs> but still it right. felt like it felt like I wanted to argue with with Jen Walters a lot of times to be like no that they're fun yeah like this is great it's so, it's so funny our uh this like we're sitting here talking about this and I feel like I'm trying to sort of like make sense of our picks, but the truth is like, I love this show. Everything we're talking about. <laughs> I love this show. It has nothing to do with this, me not liking this show. I love it, but it, it does like, I don't know why it ends up so low on our list for like some reason, but I can't really even like articulate it well. And everything I'm, everything I like want to articulate is like, like, yeah, yeah, that, that's kind of a point, but not really. I still just, everything we talk about the show, I'm like, oh, yeah, I love that part. I love yeah. that part. I love that part. <laughs> it's just, I love the, like, there are five other properties that I just love so much more yes, than that one. Same. Same. I don't know if I even go so much. Like, again, this a lot of this was, like, the issue I talked about at the beginning where I was like, I just don't even know how to compare Wakanda Forever to She-Hulk. Yeah. Like, I just can't even, like... yeah fathom how those two properties even go together yeah but they do in this very weird phase four yeah those two are ones that i i struggled with kind of the most like right there in the middle like because they are 
they are so different, but I like them both so much. Um, cause I have Black Panther Wakanda Forever at my number five. And yeah, like, which I have it in a very different place, which made our, <laughs> our rankings very, very different here. Yep. Um, and so like, I, I ultimately brought it down to like, which one affected me emotionally more. Mm, I made that decision a lot when I was going through this list. Yeah. So like black, because black Panther, you know, especially all the stuff about T'Challa and like phase four being almost entirely about the processing of grief and, um, it, there being like a very direct, uh, individual, like pointed, like not even within just the universe or not even just within the universe. Also the actor, like we're all collectively mourning the character and the actor. Um, you know, there, there was a lot more heart put into it and a lot more heart affected by it, I think, than She-Hulk. Yeah, and I guess we'll move on because we are nowhere close to where Wakanda Forever ended up yet. Oh. Um, <laughs> we got a little ways to go. Uh, but let's see, what is our, our next on the list after She-Hulk? We have, uh, and this one I'm mad at you for. Number six, uh, right? Uh, ooh, yes. Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special. <laughs> Pretty, pretty upset at you. You're, you're you mad at me at because I had it at number eight. I had it at number three. Number three? Yeah. Really? I did. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I did. <laughs> okay. Okay. Why? Uh, I can't. So this, like, this I don't know. Our, like, like, where do we biggest, start? This is one of our biggest differences. <laughs> where where um, do we start? Do we start with the good or the like? Meh. I mean, I just think it's. For me, it's like, what a freaking opportunity that we got to see a an extra 45 minutes of James Gunn directing the Guardians. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, we've talked about it for years, the fact that, like, they, they get all these actors together to, like, make these big tentpole movies, and, like, they've got the, all the people are on set. Why don't they make some extra content while you've got Drax on set. We've been saying that since, you know, I don't know, Infinity War, Endgame, Endgame times. Like, they could totally make, like, a like a different movie on the side with these characters, you know? Like, it isn't maybe so effects-heavy and stuff. And that's exactly what they did here. And so, for me, I mean, you know, Guardians are my favorite. Uh, it's probably one of my favorite properties of all of them. Yeah. And... Like it's what it's what we started this podcast about, and so to get a chance to see an extra forty five minutes of that, and it is just to me, it's the most realized version of what they're trying to do. It's a comedy, and it works as a comedy on every level. But it also has some heartfelt moments, which is what Guardians does so well with him finding out that uh, Mantis is his sister. Like, did I don't know. I just love it. I think it's it's wonderful, and it has a great little Christmas song that I'm still throwing on my Spotify. You know. <laughs> Um, I don't know what Christmas is, but Christmas time is here. Oh, oh man, it's good stuff. That's good funny. stuff. That's funny. I just like all of those things that you're saying, like, sure, yeah, but ultimately, I just felt kind of meh around it like i i wasn't I wasn't able to be on the the podcast at the time because I was moving uh like literally mm-hmm. the day that it happened. um that's right, yeah. And so I was I was kind of out of uh, out of commission for a few weeks, but I mean it's it was fun. 
and, and and they you know they went for a goal and they achieved a goal i just it didn't feel like it didn't feel like ultimately mm, plot for the mcu as a whole was moved forward and like oh for sure and and it was fun sure but like I, I, I ultimately had to give it a lower spot because I, I just don't feel like it was as strong. I guess it didn't affect me as much in in the way that it affected you because, like, with it being a comedy, it seemed it felt like they were just they were making two of the characters who are very much cosmic and just like wildly unfamiliar with Earth customs and you know especially American Earth customs. Um, they just made two of those characters just dumb. It felt like, like mm. it, it just felt like they were trying to say both of these characters are stupid because they don't, because they're not familiar with like what money is or like what the, the concept of money or whatever. Like it felt like that's what they were trying to do for me at least. And I was not as appreciative of, hmm. of it. I did not see it that way at all. I thought it was very much the, the thing that's so interesting about, Drax and Mantis is they both have huge holes in their knowledge. It's not that they're dumb. It's just that they like, like Drax, his people are not figurative. And so you just like, he just constantly says things. He's also very like selfish and very not understanding of, of like, of laws and customs. He asks in the first guardians, he's like, what if I, what if I rip someone's spine out? That would be murder. It was. It's one of the worst crimes. Yeah. What if they are irksome to me? Like he just doesn't. <laughs> he just doesn't conform to like sort of the the laws and morality of most societies. So I didn't take most of the stuff they did in that movie as like them being dumb or not being able to navigate. It was just them like not caring most of the time <laughs> and misunderstanding, which is kind of like what they do through all three of those movies, uh, or all the two that we have, and and this holiday special. Um, so they didn't, it didn't feel out of character to me and I thought it worked really well. Well, I don't think that it was necessarily out of character for them. It just, it felt like they were, they were one note in that. And like, that's all they were focusing on is these guys Mm. are unfamiliar with earth customs and like all of it. And because they don't know, this is going to be really funny. And look, they're negatively affecting Kevin Bacon's life in a big way. Right. Which I think would have bothered me if it was more than 45 minutes long. Like, I agree. It's like, it's a one note joke that is only happening for 20 minutes of the thing. You know what I mean? Like, it's like (laughs) they go to, it's a, it's a classic. And also it feels like that one note is like a very eighties thing. Like they would do that a lot. It would be like, he-Man comes to Earth, or whatever, you remember the He-Man movie or whatever? It felt like that. It felt like a throwback to that sort of movie where it's like the, the whatever, the alien comes to Earth and you see him do all the, the fish out of water stuff. Yeah. But it was interesting because we're coming from the view of Drax and Mantis, you know what I mean? Like, we know them. It's not like this strange character came down and we have like a kid who's like the vehicle for the, you know, protagonist who's like... Yeah. interacting no, with some weird that. alien. You don't yeah, eat no. that. That's not for you to eat. Ha ha ha. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, I mean, like it goes varying levels of seriousness, but that's the Terminator, you know, that's Terminator two, but that's also like, Oh God. Yeah. He man. It's also last action hero. Like all the, all these movies that are kind of like fish out of water, 
spaceman, movie person, Terminator from the future, whatever. And they like, it's like it's a very 80s thing. And I, I love that kind of stuff from when I was a kid. So it just felt like that to me. Okay. I, I did not feel like those characters were disrespected. But I hear you. I, I can see that perspective. Having, having it go through the lens of it being uh, super 80s, like a very 80s feel, um, especially for, you know, it being like kind of following a character or having one of the major characters be Peter Quill and his, like his whole persona or whatever is from the eighties, like seventies and eighties was, was mm-hmm. very much his, uh, his life growing up on earth. So it kind of feeling like an eighties thing makes more sense when you, when you think about it like that. So I, I have a, a newfound respect for it. Thank you. <laughs> well, they're also literally going back and like grabbing a movie star from the eighties. You know what yeah. I mean? Like literally talking about. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, man. Like, <laughs> he was great in the nineties too. <laughs> oh no, he definitely was. But like when Quill saw him, it was yeah. the eighties. You know, like Footloose and stuff. Like all that stuff is, you know, the Kevin Bacon that he knows and loves is from the eighties. Um, anyway, I, I just, I really liked it, but I hear you, it, it, but it annoys me how low on the list it is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not moving and it. I do have I a new now, respect no, no, for no, no, it, no, but no, I'm not moving it. <laughs> of course. No, now it's my turn to offend you. Okay. Um, in our, uh, what is it? Five? Are we at five? Yeah, five spot. Thor Love and Thunder. Okay. I know, I know, I know. That's one that you got had it, much higher than I did. You've got it directly in the middle, uh, right, right there in the center. Um, yeah, it's holding want, the whole crew together. Yeah, yeah, it's the heart. That's what <laughs> it's. It's right in the middle. It's the heart. That's that's what I have to believe is what you're trying to go for here. <laughs> well, you had it in third place. I have it in third place. Yes, and I had it in seventh place. You had it in seventh place. I did. I did. Mm, sorry. I got very upset for a second. Like, why did you have it so low? <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, is it, I, I feel the same way about other things. But yeah, we had it very... That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Our lists were so far apart this year. Wow. For me, Thor Love and Thunder, I was hopeful. Because my problem with Taika Waititi directing Ragnarok was he didn't hit the emotional moments hard enough. Um, so, and there were big things that happened and you didn't feel them. And he did better in, in, in Love and Thunder for me. He did. But I, st- I still just think that like something about the way he tackles tone. I left Thor Love and Thunder thinking it was less funny than Ragnarok. Or like almost like far, far sillier than Ragnarok, um, and, and I I think I felt similarly to what you felt about the Guardians feeling dumb. Like I think that Thor seems dumb in that movie. Um, yeah, I can see that. Like, and he does a little bit in Ragnarok too, but there's sort of this like, yeah, I don't know. It, it's it's almost like bravado dumb instead of like sometimes he just literally doesn't under, seem to understand what's going on in Love and Thunder. I feel like. But uh, yeah, it just it's that it's that Taika Waititi brand of humor that it's just really hard to pivot from it to serious moments. And I think there's some really well shot, really well acted serious moments with the Jane storyline. Um, but 
in the end, like looking back on it and thinking about the movie, I don't have this strong emotional like reaction to it like I want to. Mm. Um, and it's sort of the same problem I've always had with Ragnarok, which is it's so funny. I don't find the serious moments as resonant as I want to. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm going to disagree with you, but yeah. I understand that you have an opinion. Um, <laughs> I may not understand it. Not understand or respect. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I understand that it exists. Yep. I will go that far. <laughs> that is the step I will take for you. <laughs> I just, the, the, the way that, the way that Gore has his whole story his whole world come crashing down in that moment where like without words we see you know him and his daughter trudging through the desert looking for water looking for you know please like trying to find any sort of uh, any sort of respite any sort of anything and then he has to bury his daughter and mm-hmm. like there's that shot of him just like laying beside her grave weeping but like no tears are able to come out because he's so dehydrated. And then he finally finds that, that oasis where his deity is there. And then his deity is just such a dick. And he has to throw, like he is the most pious person and just ultimately has all of that shattered. His entire persona is shattered and he just loses his mind. And then we get Christian Bale going like, crazy fun American psycho Christian Bale. Mm. Like he leans into it so hard. And that was so great to see like that. I feel like Christian Bale is probably the, like the most emotionally resonant part of that movie. I agree. I completely agree. Um, and Aside the from so, the Jane cancer story. <laughs> well, no, I, I, I think, see, that's where I disagree. I think like the, the Jane Cancer story is very uh, tough to watch in places. It's it's hard, but I don't know the way it's intermixed and the way it isn't fully explained. Kind of like what's going on with her, like the powers versus the cancer. I, I, I don't know. It just it doesn't resonate with, with me the way other parts do. But I agree with you completely. That opening scene is amazing, and it's. Because there's no attempt to pivot. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think that... I've talked about Edgar Wright. I love Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright is amazing at the pivot. Uh, James Gunn also is amazing at the pivot. Um, I think Joss Whedon is amazing at the pivot. You know, like, uh, when you have... You know, when, when, when Coulson dies in Avengers 1, it's like, you know, fun, fun... He shoots him. He's like, I've always been wanting to see what this thing does. And he, he shoots Loki and you're like, oh, that's what it does. Like, it's like this like real equippy moment. And then he's stabbed through the heart and then he's like on the ground dying. And it's like, yeah, I think I, I think I'm mixing up where those lines fit. But yeah, he shot him after he got stabbed. Oh, after he got stabbed. Yeah. Oh, that's he, you're right. You're he right, got right. stabbed and then that was it. And then he, you're going to lose. Totally right. But he, he's quipping before that happens. And then suddenly you're like weeping because you're losing Coulson. You know what I mean? Like that pivot yeah. is so well, well executed. And I just don't think that Taika Waititi has that skill set. And so that first like seven, eight minutes of that movie, amazing. I think the gore storyline, the setup is so freaking good. 
And then when it starts bouncing back and forth in tone, like the movie just loses me emotionally. But, uh, but I mean, obviously I, our, our Thor, uh, Rankings are always different. Yeah. <laughs> and this year, with the, everything being so different, it's just hard to, like... It's really hard to rank these movies against each other. I love, though, at, like, with the end of Thor Love and Thunder, I... And it, it's something that uh, I feel like kind of started with Doctor Strange, the first one, um, in that it's not... Like, the hero wins, sort of? Right, yeah. Like, they win by not winning? Uh, right. And they, they make the, like, you know, in Black Panther, the, the hero lost the, the ethical argument. And, right, for sure. Um, had their mind changed. And Thor, like, they had the, the big knockdown fight, but he ultimately lost the, the big knockdown fight. And, you know, in that final moment, he was like, you're about to wipe all of my type of people out. Why would I want to spend that trying to stop you or fighting you for that when I could be with her? And, you know he had that emotional moment and that super heavy moment. And then he has to turn around and like, he promised Jane that he would raise Gore's daughter and not have her be alone. And Mm -hmm. honestly, he's probably one of the only ones in the universe or the galaxy that could raise eternity's kid, you know? (laughs) Like, yeah, especially with the, with the laser eyes and he's like, it's a brand new (laughs) pen. But like he had that big heavy hitting emotional moment where he had to he had to be by Jane while she disappeared and and went to Valhalla. Like I feel like it did have those giant emotional moments and maybe it didn't pivot very much in like in the middle of the film in you know end of act 1 into act 2 but like right the the bookends of it were the you know were yeah. very emotional. Yeah, no, there, there's definitely some amazing moments. And I think that maybe, and that maybe a lot of my problem with the movie is that Gore as a character, he's so well defined in the beginning, and he is so, and and at the end, it's like, and then through the whole rest of the movie, like the eighty percent of the movie, he is a like seems like a mindless, just like torture creature who's like out out for vengeance you know he's a, he's a creature of pure vengeance yeah. for like 80 percent of the movie and then at the very end he gets offered a decision and it's like oh there there's the gore that we met at the beginning of the movie that was his motivation and i almost feel like if they hadn't made him such a like such a zombie through most of the movie and if he'd like maintained his like sense of like I'm doing this because of what you gods did. Like I could see him having a conversation with Thor where he's like, "No, you gods have do- are doing nothing for us." You know what I mean? Like yeah. instead he's just this like ethereal like creature who's like <laughs> telling weird jokes and cutting off the heads of weird shadow creatures. Like it's, it's very like But he loves getting his head ripped off. <laughs> oh, maybe he doesn't. Like <laughs> It's a weird leap from the character they set up in the first seven minutes to he's just that other thing for the rest of the movie. Maybe. You know? But 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 then at the end, you like you said, it brings it back and you get that moment at the end and it, it is. It's very payoff. It, it's a great payoff. And it I love the setup for the future with Thor having eternity as you know, Thor having love as a daughter. You know, I, I love that idea. Yep. It like makes me excited for the future, and that's one thing Marvel's great at doing. It's like 
you walk out of the movie, and that's what the post credit sequences are all about. You walk out of the movie going like, "Oh, the future is bright," you know. Yep. Even if even I'm if you don't love the movie you're watching, <laughs> and like the next thing, oh, but the next thing's gonna be great. Next thing's uh, gonna be great. But <laughs> <laughs> well, what about now? Yeah. Okay. So number four. Hey, we have another one that we both put in the same place, and it ended up in the right place. Number four, we have Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness. Doctor Strange and the mom. And we both put it at four. Yeah. No conversation needed. Yep. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that, you know, honestly, it felt like a struggle for me to, to put that one, because I loved it so much in the moment. And like it felt like such a payoff to WandaVision, to... like. Uh, almost Spider-Man No Way Home, uh, you know, the first Doctor Strange movie, uh, it, it was pretty much immediately, um, or not immediately, but uh, it was definitely heavily affected by the events of Infinity War and Endgame. And, like, all of these things, all these decisions that Doctor Strange has made in the past, and it, it kind of felt like a payoff for um, for the What If series, because, you know, they kind of established that that idea of choices make multiverse and like you know the small decisions or whatever are are the the different branches of it and then in this one it's like oh here's what they look like but like in live action <laughs> like, mm. oh we go on red in this universe it's just a great movie and it's just so it it's such a great introduction to the multiverse idea for the people who aren't following everything, you know? Yep. Um, and I, and I look at like the scope of the multiverse saga and not everyone's going to watch Loki. So really DS mom is like what people are going to first get that taste of the multiverse, introduce America Chavez. And then the next few multiverse movies, you know, she's going to be using that power to get the, get the Avengers around, like have them do their thing. Um, yep. And so it's just sort of like this, it's going to be a very foundational movie for this entire, uh, phase, like, like not phase saga, I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. not just the phase. It's, it's the saga. It's the multiverse saga. Yeah. And I just love how tied in it is with things like Loki, where you got like, oh yeah, Loki is tied to that in this, like we introduced the idea of variants. Now we're seeing what variants look like in this very cool way. Um, I just think, yeah, that, that movie's really, really fun. Yeah. I, I think that Loki kind of set up the ability for Dr. Strange mom to happen. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Because you know, there was the one plot wise for sure. Right. Right. There was that one timeline and then they're like, ah, oh, no, let it go. Let it, it's multiverse right. now. Here we go. Yeah, but you could imagine in this, you know, very complicated trying to keep all the movies together, you can imagine a movie that doesn't treat these things the same way or whatever. But I love that we've gotten Loki, No Way Home, and um, DS Mom now. And it's like they all have kind of kept this consistency with how the multiverse sort of works. Um, and yeah. I just, I'm, I'm excited about it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's rad, really rad. cool to see it. The introduction of multiverse through that is amazing. Also, the introduction to the MCU for Sam Raimi is oh yeah. really great. Like he had some real great horror elements in there with mm -hmm. um, with Wanda in the water, like where she was coming yeah. from the mirror dimension. The reflection scene is is definitely the, my favorite horror element. That yeah. and when she looks into the camera for just a second. Oh God! Like yes. she can see through the screen right at you. It's that's intense. Yeah, and just her acting, Elizabeth Olsen's acting throughout 
where she's going back and forth between being, you know, the monster that's the, mm-hmm. you know, the, the hunting down everyone monster and like wanting to be a good mom and just the way that she has to balance that and the, the, you know, the way that she has to react to the kids and like all of it was so freaking great. I just, yeah. I love her acting and I, I like, I'm holding out hope. Like she's not dead. She's not dead. That character's not mm. gone. She, she might like, she started to get crushed and that poof of energy was her teleporting away somewhere else. Like, yeah, that was her sure. being saved by Kishathon. We will see her again in some form. If, if not that one, we'll see a variant. I just don't think Elizabeth Olsen's done with that character. No, there's um, no way. You can't. Yeah. Not, yeah, yeah. not with as much setup as they had there. Ugh. And a, a, like one more uh, little praise for Sam Raimi. <laughs> the, uh, the way that they included the horror element of like the blood on her face, but it wasn't blood. It was oil from the Ultron oh, bots. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It was so cool. <laughs> And it was great for the trailer, too, because we didn't know that. So we see that in the trailer, like, man, this is getting so dark. Yeah. Like, and then Ugh. it's not, not blood. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's, it's, kind, it's kind of fun and kind of uh, a good misdirect for us. Oh, man. And we got the, the Illuminati in the Ultimate yeah. Universe. Like, we Crazy. Got, we got the fan casting that we were asking for with Krasinski being, uh, being Reed Richards. And then, like... Yeah. Patrick Stewart came back and was amazing. Uh, as much as we're talking, this is the one that you're talking about it. And I'm like, I should have put it higher. I should have put this one higher. <laughs> I should have put it higher, but we both put it at four. I can't blame it. Trust the process. Um, it's interesting. Our, 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 so, so the next two we tied because they both came out with the same number after, after the shakeup. Okay. And I'm interested to see how we can, uh, we normally just discuss it, and one of us concedes. Yeah, you're right. That that is a fair thing. But I, I don't know. With, the, with as contentious as this has been already, and we haven't even had to argue anything yet, <laughs> uh, I don't know. But our second and third, in no particular order, are Werewolf by Night and Wakanda Forever. Uh, okay. So, for Werewolf by Night, you had it in first place. Yep. And I had it in fifth place. Okay. And so it, it shook out to this combined two or three, depending on what we decide. And then Wakanda Forever, I had in first place. Okay. And you had in fifth, fifth place. place. Actually, it's that's our, exactly the same. It's that's our one we, and five. We inverted. <laughs> yeah, it's our one and five. That's why it tied. That's funny. That's really funny. So, 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 so basically, I'm saying, so I, I'm taking the pro Black Panther. Uh, stance. Yep. And you're taking the anti-Black Panther stance. I'm taking the pro um, werewolf by night stance. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get your words twisted. <laughs> um. So, <laughs> I love werewolf by night. Sure. Me too. It made it as high as it did on my list because it is such a cool and interesting thing that they've done there. Yeah. Yeah. It is great. Yep. It's a first but place. By, great. By so many other metrics that we've talked about tonight. Like, I think it's, it's got such a... Werewolf by Night has such a clear vision and such a uh, really, really wonderful execution. Yep. First place. But by so many other metrics, I think that Black Panther 2, like, supersedes it. 
impact on the universe. Oh yeah. As we've discussed over and over. Ouch. Um, acting. I mean, like the werewolf by night, they did a great job, but they're sort of like, I mean, they're, they're, and they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. They are inhabiting this sort of forties serial thing. Yeah. It was the creature feature. Yes. And, but I think the level of acting in black Panther to Wakanda forever is just so much higher. Um, I, I hate to say that because I hate to say anything bad about the people who did. Um, but I, I just think they're going for something different. Like, and I think that it fits the vibe of what they're doing so well. And it's a great introduction to the world of this sort of fantastical, but like, I don't know. Wakanda forever is just, it's a masterpiece of taking these issues. I mean, we, they lost their main actor and had to rewrite this movie around that. And I didn't feel like that while I was watching the movie. Yeah, there's so many movies where that could be the case where you'd be like, they ha- oh they I mean we've we've talked about it a thousand times with like Falcon and Winter Soldier we're like oh, there's just so many spots where you can just tell they're not doing what they meant to do yeah. you know like they wanted to do this they changed it so drastically we had that all the way back in Ant Man when you were like this feels like this should have been an Edgar Wright thing but wasn't quite like they didn't quite deliver on it being an Edgar yeah. Wright thing yeah exactly. Um, I can, you can just sort of see the seams of like, this was written by one group and then it passed over and then they just changed it. But they did such a great job of taking what the like shitty situation they were given and like weaving this amazing piece of art out of it that succeeds, I think, as a action movie and a piece of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, a fun action movie, but it also succeeds in having like really talk about a pivot. This doesn't that that movie doesn't pivot between comedy and 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 like drama, but it has great moments of drama and great moments of just pure fun action. You know, like it's it does have a little comedy in there too, but it's like it's a different kind of pivot and I think it does a great job of it. I feel intensely the like sad moments that I'm supposed to feel. And I feel excited and, you know, uh, whisked away by the battles between the, um, Talokan. Yeah. I feel like with, with Black Panther Wakanda forever, there was a bit of a, like, and I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not, I'm not disparaging it in any way. I just feel like there's a, a bit of a disappointment in the Riri Williams story. Like Mm, I love that character. I love what they did with her, but like, it kind of feels like a, a weird disservice to that character to introduce her in this way and then take the suit away from her. And then like, what does that leave us with for the Ironheart series? Like, what are, what are we left with? What, what does she do in the series? Where did she start? Like, right. What, what origin are they telling? Are they going before or after the, the Wakanda forever stuff? Like, yeah. At what point does any of that occur? And it kind of feels like that part was shoehorned in or like that part was like totally the part from you're the using, studio. I see what you're doing here. I see what you're doing here, Jeff. You're using my argument that yep. I made yep. that I didn't like Riri Williams in the movie to try to convince me here, but you won't because <laughs> as I said on the cast a couple weeks later, I've come to terms with it that like Riri Williams, I think her plot and using her character was sort of shoehorned in, but without Riri Williams, that movie would have been so dour, and she is the vehicle which they used to do that smooth pivot thing I was talking about. Yeah, she was the the fun vehicle. Yeah. But like anybody could have been a fun vehicle, right? Yeah. Sure, 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 sure. Like even if they had gone and gotten Bucky and been like, 
you know, did are you letting them study your arm? And he's like making quips and jokes. Oh man, I would have loved to have seen like Sam Wilson and Bucky mm-hmm. be like, oh, yeah. have them cross over back into I that. Absolutely would have loved that. Oh, that would have been incredible. And like, yeah. are you working with the government to let them, you know, study the vibranium suit that we gave you? Like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not doing that. I'll help you guys. Like, that would have been awesome. And then could have led into New World Order and a whole thing with that. Man, I kind of want that movie now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a, that is not a, a, a bad idea. And I understand, I, I agree with you. I think that Riri is shoehorned in for a number of reasons. And, and not all, not the least of which is just like, introducing this character to us in a big budget way so that when we get Ironheart on the screen, she's got a built in audience because she's been brought to us before. Um, I think that's absolutely true. I think there's a lot of commerce mixing with the art there. Um, But I just think that the difficulty level, the end result, the impact on the universe, just, just Angela Bassett, like oh, Angela period. Bassett carrying that movie. Yeah, I mean, and and oh, not, carrying them, the country. All of those characters are, are so well, uh, so well acted and bring forth so much life to that world. And to me, Werewolf by Night is great, but it's just like limited in what it was even trying to do. Like Wakanda Forever has issues, and particularly around Riri Williams, I think. But it's. It's just trying to make something so much bigger than Werewolf by Night. Werewolf by Night, I think, is successful, and I don't really see any issues with it. Yeah, it's like a perfect. It's almost like you you hit a perfect shot at putt putt, but like this was real golf. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, it took you two swings or whatever, but it was real golf. You know? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I will I will concede in that. By the metric that I used earlier this evening, this very evening, Black Panther Wakanda Forever did move the plot of the MCU forward and and we got to see, you know, characters that are that were introduced in other things and yeah, yeah, um, yeah. and you know, consequences everywhere, like a lot of things, a lot of world was moved forward with that movie. And tied to previous stuff, because Werewolf by Night. I mean, literally, except for the intro that says, the day, the daylight, the Avengers exist. Like, you yeah. know, they have that the whole heroes thing. Heroes in the day. We're talking about what's in the shadows. Yeah. Literally, if it weren't for that moment. It would be not, not tied connected. to anything. Yeah. It wouldn't have to be in the MCU. Like, it literally could be a different thing that Disney Plus did. Like, so I just think that uh, by that metric of, like, connectivity and moving forward, like, it's it's I, definitely lower. I can concede but, that point yeah. and, and say that we can drop Werewolf by Night to the lower of the two spots. Thank you, my friend. And I concede that Werewolf by Night is wonderful. I love it. Like I said, perfectly executed. Werewolf by Night hit my number one because of its perfect execution. They, they went for a thing. They said, this is yeah. what I'm going to do. They called their shot from the start. Yeah, and said so this is what I'm going to do, and they absolutely nailed it, a hundred percent. And like they, I think it gets a lot of points just for being so damn weird. Yeah, <laughs> like you know, yes, it, it's I think perfect execution, but like who was asking for that? 
Like nobody, <laughs> nobody was asking for that, and they did it, and they did it right, and they made me care about this thing that I'm like, I, I don't even care about like whatever 40s serial horror, serialized horror, and I was like, this is amazing that this thing exists and that it's tied to this thing we love. Yep. Um, but so it's, I'm, it's, I'm, I'm, I love the thing. You love the man thing. I do love the man thing. Good old Ted. <laughs> I love that we have that character that we care so much about that we don't even understand the words he's saying. And, right. And it's not, and I, oh, one of the things that I freaking love about that character and the interactions from, uh, from Jack with that character is that, like, Jack doesn't do that thing that they so often do with a character that you can't understand, where, like, they hear the thing and then repeat back what they said, but in a different way, mm-hmm. and then also kind of answer the question. He just has a conversation with him because that's how it would be. He wouldn't be yeah. like, oh, let me clarify for whoever else is. No, there's nobody else here. It's just us in the woods and you're playing solitaire with these giant oversized cards. Hey, man, thanks for the cup of coffee. Like, <laughs> that's, I love yeah. that, that they just kind of like, no, this is how it is. And like, you just got to deal with the fact that you don't understand what Ted says. It's hilarious that in the MCU, we have two plant-based characters who we can't understand what they're talking about. <laughs> That's really funny that like those two similarities exist. Uh, well, I appreciate you conceding. It's a low stakes argument, yeah, because it literally is third or second. It's not like we're kicking it to fifth and first or whatever. It's second sure. or third. It's like either honestly, I I wouldn't be upset either way, but I appreciate it. I think Wakanda Forever deserves it. Uh, but our number one spot, Moon Knight. Uh, ne- yeah, neither of us had it at number one. I had uh, it at number two. Bo- <laughs> Me too. But because we had basically because our number ones both had number fives against them, yep. uh, we pull we 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 pull them they, down. They drag each other Moon down. Knight, yeah, yeah. They they like argued and Moon Knight surpassed them. Moon Knight just kind of snuck in there. Yeah, which is what I felt like it did to me. Ooh, Moon Knight stuck inside you. I knew it was going to be good. Like I I I knew Oscar Isaac is he's the freaking man. He's a great mm-hmm. actor. I, you know, I knew that uh, the character of Moon Knight was weird and complicated and complex, and like the DID was uh, was going to be a thing to try to struggle to follow. But then, like, they really hit me hard with showing like the origin of Stephen and like everything mm-hmm. with his mom and like the way that all of the things with the Egyptian pantheon worked and like how all of those gods interact, and then like. Having Tawaret say, like, you should see the ancestral plane. It's gorgeous. I'm like, oh, I know about that. I've seen Black Panther. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We got that tie in. And, like, it may not have moved the plot forward as far as, like, whole world or anything. But, like, it introduced this other aspect of, like, you know, the, the, the whole mental health uh, representation in, in, the, in cinema, in popular media. But then also they didn't like, you know, we're going to cure his DID. They didn't do that. They just mm-hmm. kind of, they just kind of went for it. Like, oh no, he's more broken than you've ever actually thought. He's more broken than he knows. Cause he's yeah. got this other one lying around. And then the, like, I'm a sucker for the, the whole like pagan story. Like the, the gods are real, you know, the old gods are real. They're walking among us. They affect and influence our day to day. And like that sort of story with like, with uh, the way that Khonshu is just like standing around every now and again, like, oh, you can mm-hmm. see him. I can't see him anymore. 
but you can see him like this raven skull, like empty faced things, just like standing there, like barking, barking orders at you. I just, yeah. I'm, I am a sucker for that kind of story. I freaking love it. Well, it, it kind of, I feel like does, it's sort of fitting. We were just talking about this argument between werewolf by night and Wakanda forever. And, um, it does the thing Wakanda forever does in that it becomes like this big globe trotting superhero story by the end, you know, but it also does the thing that werewolf by night did by being weird as fuck. <laughs> That's accurate. That <laughs> like, is, that's accurate. It's it's a story about multiple characters that you grow to love inhabiting the same mind and like introduced through the way they introduce it with Steven for an entire episode and like you don't know who Mark is yet. Like yep. it just it's so well done. That first episode makes you just feel so unmoored um and then it just gets better and better and better and I think um, I think it being first place makes a lot of sense. Like, for, honestly, from all the stuff we've talked about tonight, I don't think there's anything me and you together have been able to be as glowing about, which makes sense. That's why it's at the top of our combined list, you know? Yep, there it um, is. <laughs> hey, yeah, yeah, we each had our like, oh, well, yeah, that's true, but... And, like, this one's just like, no, this one's so good. It just hits on um, all cylinders the yeah. whole time. I, I was starting to put it lower because I was like, well, you know it doesn't have any humor in it. And I was like, what am I talking about? Like, it has so much humor Steven's in it. Like, so for, funny. Yeah. For a second, I was like, it's a little, it's a little self-serious. And I was like, no, it's not. It has like <laughs> this, like, uh, you know, the, the freaking giant hippo going, hello. Like, yeah. just, it's so funny in places <laughs> while being so heartfelt and so badass um, yep. with the action sequences. Moon Knight is just tearing it. Up and so yeah, I just think um, I think it deserves the spot it got. I, I, yeah. I love it. And love uh, I I love that they also had uh, the Scarlet Scarab show up. Yes, and and just be badass. Like yep, she she was. It was kind of like that uh, that moment where um, where Hope Van Dyne was like, "It's about damn time." It felt like mm-hmm. that for her. Where when she got her suit, she's like, "Yeah, yeah, no." This is where this needs to be. Like, yeah. And I love, even though it's such a small moment, that little kid being like, You an Egyptian superhero? Like, it just, it felt great, yeah. man. Yeah. Like, <laughs> got the diversity on it. Like, she got to be the, the hero. Uh, uh, there's kind of that white savior thing, sort of, with, with Mark, but yeah, I mean, his suit was very white. His eyes were white. <laughs> <laughs> he is a white savior. By he's also metric, yes. a white man. Um, he's yeah. a white, white savior. Um, <laughs> but like, it didn't feel like, it didn't feel like the, the white savior thing that always, that generally happens where it's like, Oh no, I showed up and your culture is wrong. Let me show you the ways that I'm oh, yeah, better for sure. Or, Oh, I understand your culture. It's like this. And then like, Oh, I look, I do it better. He's stumbling around the whole time. Just like, yeah. Getting rocked by, by all of the culture. Yeah. It doesn't feel, I mean, like he is clearly not like a flawless hero. Yeah. You know, like that's just oh, not God, who his yeah. character is. <laughs> he is f- so flawed. And so, yes, he is the hero of the story in many ways, but like, he's the protagonist, but uh, I guess they are the protagonist, uh, but like, 
man, it's it just doesn't it doesn't feel like that at all. Yeah, it feels like he's a uh, kind of a bad man put in this situation that has to like figure out a bad and broken man, uh, depending on which side of him you're talking about, um, and just has to figure out what to do as he goes. And I think in many ways, um, Layla really is like more of the moral center of the story and like helping him like navigate it through like more having more knowledge than he has and everything. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, It's so good. It's just so good. (laughs) I I want more. I can't wait for more moon Knight. Yeah. God, I want so much more moon Knight. I Mm. love though that it felt like it felt like when she showed up, there was finally some amount of like, okay, now we're going to get an explanation of what the hell is going on. Yeah. Because like, she knows what's up. Steven has no clue what's going on. He's fumbling around. Like Steven's our lens, oddly enough, like Steven, yes, the altar, uh, who's arguably not even like a real person is just the altar of Mark Mm -hmm. based on the story. Yeah. But he's our way into the story. But he just happens to be our, our, our in Mm-hmm. And then she shows up and it's like, oh, we're finally going to get some answers. And then she's just like, the hell is wrong with you, Mark? And he's like, what? what? Why are you calling mm-hmm. me Mark? Like, Wait, hold on. <laughs> Time out. <laughs> she doesn't know either. <laughs> like, come on. Mm-hmm. Like, she knows all the everything around him and he's just an anomaly. And yeah, I, I totally. love that. I love that about this, this series. Yeah, it's really good. God. Yeah, and it's been it feels like it was forever ago, but yeah, it was just last year. Yeah, not even a full year. Looking back, man, I think this year has been a better year than we really I feel like throughout gave it credit for. Like so much great stuff came out this year and there's like the reason we're able to argue so uh, much about which of these properties is on top is cuz there's a, such a diversity of content and so many that have so much value in different ways, you know. Um and there's really nothing on here that I wouldn't want to be a part of the MCU. I really like everything they made. Yeah, I mean, the one that I could say, like, you know, maybe we didn't necessarily need that was I Am Groot. And it was still a fun little addition that was just like, yeah. oh, that was cute. That was really cute. It didn't take anything away. Like, it's yeah, cute it did and not, it's fun. It certainly did not take away. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I guess we should run it down one more time. We had uh, I Am Groot. Number nine, number eight, Miss Marvel. Number seven, She Hulk. Number six, Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special. Number five, Thor: Love and Thunder. Number four, Doctor Strange: Multiverse of Madness. Number three, Werewolf by Night. Number two, Wakanda Forever. And number one, Moon Knight. It's crazy that a series has taken the number one spot for like from blockbuster films. Yeah, for real. But it doesn't feel less uh, quality at all. Like, I think about the quality of Moon Knight. It does not feel like a step down. Like, the acting feels just as good. The, the effects feel uh, great. effects feel great. Really, really great. In many ways, better. Some moments in, uh, uh, particularly Thor Love and Thunder, there's some of those moments that, like, the CGI is really a little rough. Like, the thing with, like, I don't know, his helmet and stuff. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> in that one scene, yeah. like there's a couple scenes where like the CGI feels off a little bit. Um, I, whatever they did with Moon Knight, like the CGI just feels really real. Like those little bands coming around him, they feel like they're oh, there. Yeah. You know? yeah, the um, almost like he's being mummified. Like the, yeah. the raps, like oh it's yeah, exactly like that. It's great stuff. Great stuff. 
All right, guys. Well, uh, we are, uh, I guess, about done here on this uh, this here ranking episode. Uh, thank you, uh, Jonathan Kim, for commissioning the episode. Um, we're going to be relaunching our Patreon in a week from today. We're going to do an episode soon with more details about that. Um, but starting February 1st, we're going to be relaunching the Patreon. We launched it years and years ago with a very... Uh, uh, little knowledge of how Patreon worked, <laughs> and we've been trying to keep up with it, but uh, it's we a bit just dated. We're, yeah, it's a little bit dated. We're gonna make some changes. Um, it's conf- it's a little confusing how we have it now, so we're just gonna like simplify it, streamline it, and hopefully you guys will come join it. Uh, that would be really helpful to keep this cast making all the content we make. Um, and uh, so you keep an eye out for that. But uh, thank you again, Jonathan Kim, for the uh, for the commission. And uh, we'll be back soon. Peace. Until next time, true believers. Thank you for joining us for the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. Available everywhere you get podcasts, and now a video version streaming live on twitch.tv slash strandedpandatv and available at youtube.com slash strandedpanda. And if you'd like to learn more about all of our other podcasts, geeky projects, and ways to support the network, visit strandedpanda.com.